I doubt if there is any problem, social, political, or economic, that would not melt away before the fire of such a spiritual undertaking. So the first thing I want to point out, um, you guys remember Bill Ackman, the billionaire hedge fund manager? He was the guy who went on MSNBC like right before. Um, I think I remember this right. He went um, on he went on air on MSNBC and just like started spreading panic about the stock market at the beginning of COVID, and just said like everything's going to zero. He just had this long impassioned how everything was just, we're all going to be destroyed. We're all going to die. And then the stock market just crashed and not like, obviously like it's recovered, but like it, you know, you look at the, the, (laughs) look at the red line and it just dips there. His, um, his fund like bought up like a ton of stocks, like in like hotels and cruise (laughs) stocks when they're like dirt cheap, like right (laughs) after you had gone on MSNBC saying how everything was like, we're going, everything's going down. It's it. This is over. But now he's gone on Twitter. Twitter, and he says that the U.S. troops must be ready to defend Ukraine. And he's he's saying that, like, he had a lengthy I'm looking at a New York Post article. He's saying in a lengthy Twitter thread, the hedge fund manager said it was un-American to sit back and watch Russian forces bombard Ukraine. Um, and I'm just like, OK, what's your position on Lockheed Martin right now? <laughs> like, yeah. what is, what's your position on this? Like, what yep. are you talking about? Like, you can't you can't care that much about the Ukrainians. <laughs> you seriously don't. And who are you shorting? Like, that's the other question. <laughs> who are you shorting? Like, <laughs> like let's be honest here. Like, like you're, you, you really like this is un-American. Like, come on, man. Like, you know, yep. come on, man. It's like this, this is a joke. It's un-American to be cheering for American bloodshed is what's un-American. American to try to start or instigate a third world war. Yeah. Yeah. Or isn't further that, escalate to a third world war. Isn't that yep. like, isn't that like trying to instigate a riot? Like, isn't there like a hog court ruling for like trying to instigate <laughs> nuclear Holocaust? <laughs> yeah. like I was trying to do, cause I, what, I was, I was shorting cruise lines or something. I know like, hockey's got bought. two minutes for instigating or whatever. Or... Say again. Oh yeah. Hockey. No, yeah. Hockey yep. has like two minutes yeah. for instigating. Yep. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think that's, yeah, you're right, Thomas. I'm sure if you look at his fund, he's probably got a huge thing in probably Raytheon and Lockheed, and um, and uh, they probably are. I don't know if you can short currency, but they probably are shorting the ruble. Oh, and yeah, you know, it went down to like a cent. Yeah, this the ruble's worth nothing. Yep. Yeah. It's um, there's a you know the the meme with Vince Mann when he McMahon when he's like looking at the money and like smelling it. Oh, yeah. It was like Russians with ten euros right now. <laughs> oh, God, that's brutal. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely brutal. But. Yeah, it's kind of so. it's kind of interesting to see though the the just like the people saying like un-American like if uh, I think I mentioned before we started recording the uh, folks that I've seen like, on Twitter and different places different social media saying you know if uh, you know if you don't fully support like the you know you know Ukraine in every in like in every aspect essentially you know you're 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 just like holding water for the Kremlin um, and things like that it's kind of wild to me also there's uh, um, all these people talking about like we've got to defend this democracy and it's like 
I, if I hear someone on CNN or from some CNN talk about a democracy that we even like we toppled and instill like installed ourselves, yeah. like one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> like, it's like it does their, their, their government doesn't mean anything unless we install it. And then stop, we must defend stop the making democracy. fun of my cousin. OK, <sighs> stop making fun of my cousin. Me and Zelensky go way back. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're just like cousins, life. man. You're separated at birth. <laughs> <laughs> um it's such a good point though where it's like i mean i think we're in a tough spot just like with um the beginning of covid you don't want to seem like you're four people dying of yeah covid so you don't want to like you know be vocal about hey let's you know take it slow with this with this it's like the kremlin has a decades old history if not millennia old history of being an aggressor against western europe in the united states but this problem is way more complicated than uh, and the relationship between this current government and how it was installed and um, what's going on in eastern Ukraine uh, requires a lot of, I think, understanding if you're going to make comments about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The so that means we need to start talking. And here we go. Hot <laughs> yeah. Hot takes. Like, yeah. The historical context, like, uh, wasn't wasn't Ukraine like... Uh, like the third one, third or fourth largest holder of nuclear weapons after the fall of the Soviet yes, Union. Yes, it was a big, and then they gave them all back to Russia, like in the mid nineties, with the promise that Russia would never invade. With the and promise we, also that the U.S. and Great Britain would come to their defense if Russia invaded. Okay, maybe yeah. Bill Ackman. Maybe Bill Ackman's just been reading up about his history, but, you know. But yeah. also, and, like, and, and and shorting the cruise line. Aren't they? Aren't they not allies with any like with? Great Britain or U.S. So they consider them partners, I think, is the term that they use. Or, what was that? With NATO or? Oh, uh, NATO part. Uh, you know, I don't know if they would consider them NATO partners, but I think uh, some of the NATO countries individually kind of consider them partners. But certainly I don't think they classify them as allies. Mm -hmm. um, but no, you're right. It's. I mean, when Russia took Crimea and nobody did anything, that was when it became clear that the West wasn't all that interested in spilling their own blood on behalf of Ukrainian territorial sovereignty. I mean, that was a big deal. Um, and uh, what is now I want to get your guys' take on this because. Yep, that's I, absolutely right. What's that? Oh, oh. Wait, no. Oh, sorry. What was I, I was just agreeing. Sorry. Oh, OK. <laughs> I, um, I was MD programming for my NPC stage. Oh, gotcha. Um, I assent. <laughs> so we've got this situation where we've got a Vladimir Putin who, by a lot of U.S. you know establishment types who have been in the State Department, are describing as acting erratically, mm -hmm. acting irrationally, not acting as he had in the past, um, invading a country and then having his foreign ministry put out threats against Scandinavian countries. Are we up against a country like Nazi Germany or like, is this possible that this spills into Scandinavia and we're going to see this push beyond Ukraine? Um, and if we don't, if the world doesn't put a stop to it, we will regret it like we do regret not stopping Hitler when he wanted to take, you know, Poland and uh, all of yeah, that. So, uh, yeah, when he took, uh, what was it, the Anschluss? I think I believe so. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to get it. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the only thing in my head that I'm like, all right, do we 
is like, because there's the one side where it's like, well, let's not, everyone doesn't need to change their profile pic to a Ukrainian flag. And, you know, we're all going to pour out our vodka. But on the other hand, I, I think we <laughs> are. Give the vodka to me. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I have no moral um, qualms about no, that. No, I use vodka for martinis. Sorry, it's staying around. <laughs> Grey Goose, the French stuff is what you need. It's um, <laughs> um, But do we, like, I mean, is it too, am I making too big of a deal of history to say that we do run the risk of having an expansionist dictator attempt to, like, establish a new block of Russian mm. satellite states well, like I the mean, Soviets had? First of all, what's in your portfolio? Um, how many defense defense companies you got there i have zero zero defense companies i i I got some dogecoin dogecoin (laughs) now that's probably worth more than one ruble at this point (laughs) (laughs) it probably is what is dogecoin training at like 25 cents or something i think or something like that 25 to 50 cents like it's probably worth more um no i think that is a good point i mean i just i wonder like because like the argument i guess like I want to say for the Russian side, but like the argument is like, look, Putin doesn't want NATO expansion, you know, into his backyard, um, blah, blah, blah. And so this is a war that, you know, is is mainly being waged to stop NATO expansion. Right. Which, to be fair, though, the, the frustration I have with that is like there, no, Ukraine wasn't getting into NATO. Right. You, you weren't going to suddenly haphazardly like, oh, you got an army on three sides of your borders. Yeah. Like, let's get this paperwork expedited, man. Get in, yeah. right? Let's do it. Or like the same thing that like Ukraine's asking to be part of the EU right now. It's like, this, oh, it that, happened. That, did they, wait? They didn't accept it, did they? Oh yeah. The the wait, they're part of the EU. The European Union passed an expedited acceptance. They they voted. I saw it. they Are voted you on. You can double check that. What? Double check that. But what? I'm almost certain that, that it happened. Like Ukraine's today. part of the EU now. Live Google searches here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do. So talking about like Russian, you know, Russian expansion. All it says they're stuff. working on it. NPR says they're working on it, but that would be absolutely insane. That would be insane. Wouldn't that immediately brought, bring in the other, the other European Union countries or no? So the EU is not a military defense treaty. It's an economic situation. Uh, yeah. Now it does give them access to EU infrastructure, like mm-hmm. electricity, oil, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some kinds of defense stuff, but it doesn't um, automatically create a defense pact okay. for the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's because that's oil, NATO, oil, right? Oil from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just circulate. It goes into Germany, and then Germany pumps it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, what you're saying, Mike, about the expansion? Like, the, I I definitely think that if if Bruden is going to, and just so you know, for anyone listening, uh, we're recording this right before the uh, uh, President Biden gives the um, State of the Union address. Um, so we are in the moment uh, ignorant of what is about to be said or what was said uh, a couple of days ago. But um, I mean, I just kind of just looking at it, if Putin were to push into more other countries, like other countries, doesn't matter what, like, I don't, I don't think it matters what other countries. Well, no, but yeah. do, it does though. Is he, are you talking about in this analogy? And I want, I want, I want, I really want to see what you say, but like, are we talking about him pushing into e, into NATO countries or non-NATO countries? Cause that is, well, I don't know. I don't know what we're all, like, we're all the Scandinavian countries. So um, the two that he threatened are non-NATO yeah. um, Norway is, but Finland and Sweden currently are not. Yeah, if um, if I I do think that if he goes, 
towards Finland or Sweden, there's going to be like really serious ramifications from from your from the like from the countries in yeah. NATO, like not necessarily NATO, but countries in the in Europe and Western Europe. Yeah. Um, I don't. I still don't know what the U.S. is going to do. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, with the uh, Brandon in charge and uh, behind the helm, uh, I don't know if we're gonna like. I mean, we do have troops in you know in in the countries surrounding yeah. Ukraine, yeah. the western side of Ukraine. That's I mean, kind of freaky. We have troops in the Mediterranean, like that's kind of freaky. Like that's pr- real. We, we're, we're real. We close. had troops. We had troops in Ukraine days before this happened. Yeah, it's yeah. dangerously close to having some sort of catastrophic event that leads yeah. to some greater catastrophic event. So it's kind of. Uh, playing with so, fire with how close we have, you know, human uh, American, like human, you know, resources like on the ground and around Ukraine. Yeah. So are, do you think like, so Thomas, your take is you're leaning more towards this is a, a defensive step to stop NATO expansion to Russian borders, ex- less than a hegemonic attempt to, create a new Soviet bloc. Is that kind of your thought? Well, no, I think it can be both at the same time. Um, Because I do think like Putin, Putin, when he gave it, he gave his speech, which was just a very long, weird, rambly speech. um, When he kind of declared uh, the Donbass region, it was like two people's republics of whatever, like shitty stand. Um, He like, it was like a long, it was, he was using the past 100 years of history to justify essentially why Ukraine shouldn't exist as a country um, and why all these countries were made by Lenin or Stalin and how he actually criticized Lenin for even making, I think, making Ukraine as a country. Um, So I think he's definitely got this idea of continued um, expansion as well. Um, It's it's so I, I feel like it can be both at the same time. Right. Where it's like trying to reassert a dominant power structure in these former USSR blocks or black countries while also worrying about NATO expansion. Because I think the two go hand in hand, because like when you have like, you know, the um, the Baltics with Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania, like like I can't believe now when you look at the situation, I can't believe they're part of NATO. Right. You're just sitting there. And you're like, how did that happen? Like, yeah, that's insane. Um so I don't know. I think it's just, it's really just, I think it's just kind of a combination of the two. Um, I don't know. I just, so, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, that, I mean, that's fair. I think, you know, there's some, they, they have some concern um, about NATO expansion, um, but all right. Yeah. I, what end is it though? I mean, like, what, yeah, what's, yeah, what's, what's, the what's the end goal? Because the closer, the, the the farther he pushes his border through these other countries, right? So say say yeah. he takes all of Ukraine. Yeah. Say he just annexes, he just takes his takes Ukraine. Uh, then what? Who is Ukraine bordering? Like, I mean, Poland, like, which is NATO, which is yeah. NATO, Hungary, so I mean, which, is, which is NATO, Romania, which is NATO. Yeah. So so is his goal like to what end? Is his end to like? keep Ukraine, like leave Ukraine existing, but as like a, a kind of like a crescent to just have like a very, very thin buffer between him and an actual NATO nation yeah. um, while being able to take all, of, you know, take all of what he, you know, kind of sees is owed to him and to Russia, um, whatever his you know, reasoning is. But um, 
like to what end? Like, what's the what's the what's the end goal here? Like, why why do you want this? <laughs> right. Well, and that's I think that kind of what you just said, Mike. I think it really does go kind of against this NATO narrative, where it's like, oh, we don't want to be, you know, neighboring NATO. It's like, well, if you take Ukraine, you're going to be right up against multiple multiple powerful NATO countries. Yeah. Um, which the and countries that the U.S. have placed hundreds of thousands of I don't know about hundreds, but like thousands of troops are in Poland right now. Yeah. And it's so I don't know. And uh, so, yeah. So that's why I don't 100 percent buy the over oh, worried about NATO expansion, because by them pushing west, they're bringing themselves closer to NATO. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also pushing Ukraine further into NATO's arms by creating this situation um yeah if, now the one thing that i think a lot of also people who will you know kind of try and create more clarity on is like the other p- portion of this discussion is the donbass and Lukansk regions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and these are russian-speaking people who want to be part of russia and ukraine was allegedly cre- um committing violence against them mm-hmm. um and there has been a war going on there since like 2014, if not earlier. Yep. Um, and so that was used as the, you know, causes bellus for this to happen was what was happening there. Um, so is that enough to like, I, so did you guys get to see the speech by the Kenyan UN ambassador? No, he gave this. So he was at the security council run by was, run by Russia. <laughs> Yeah, who was being ironically enough, the president of the Security Council is currently the Russian ambassador. And so the Kenyan, he, um, he, it's his turn to speak. And he says, he, you know, condemns the violence, calls for an end to the violence. And then he says, you know, most of Africa's borders are drawn by European governments. And it has split people who shared languages, religions, ethnicities. And if, it could have ended up where we were constantly at war with each other to try and, you know, take land. But he said, by and large, Africa has accepted the borders given to us in the interest of peace. And uh, we have come to try and overcome these, you know, the sadness that happens when you split people apart. Um, But it's even worse when you go to war with each other. And he was, I thought it was a pretty interesting way to like point out that it's like, okay, yes, it's, you know, too bad that you have Russian speaking people in Ukraine, but that shouldn't mean that p- people need to fight over that. Right. Like it, mm-hmm. that shouldn't happen. It doesn't have to be that they have to be under the Kremlin's, you know, domain just because they speak Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have to have to be under Ukrainian domain either. And I don't know, like, I mean, they could just not dealing with this issue in like New York with like little Italy or Chinatown. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should those be annexed? <laughs> right. Like, oh gosh. So I don't know how extensive of a statement that is, but <laughs> no, 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 you're exactly right though. But if we look at this, not to be a globalist, but like at, at this point in the world, people of all languages and religions and ethnic backgrounds are living all over the place. Yeah. And if we were to push this um <clears throat> Slavic this I, I I don't want to use the wrong terms here, but if we were to take this argument that the Kremlin is putting out to its end, then we could apply this to all over the world, and you would have wars constantly happening in these little groups who want to uh, you know, ex- exert their dominance and bring people back into their borders, which 
Mm-hmm. Only it doesn't serve any good purpose. I I can't see any. But yeah, this is a cause for es- escalation. It's just like a wild. Yeah, that's what I'm so curious. Is like I don't believe the NATO thing, and yep. like it's just like that whole idea narrative is kind of like. Mm. Also, like NATO has been consistently not pursuing Ukrainians' inclusion, yeah. um, and uh, I don't know. I just what is the, like what. Like a Shakespearean actor, what is it? What's what's my motivation? What's Russia? Yeah. What's their motivation? Right. Like why? It's an enigma, and like you can't because you we can't see any of the really really can't see any of the propaganda or news coming out of Russia, and we know like you know tons of our news and stuff is propaganda, even, and even the Ukrainian stuff. A lot of the pro-Ukrainian stuff is propaganda. It's all propaganda. Yeah. So I mean, like we yeah. we have like one side of the propaganda. At least if we had both sides, we could like parse out. Yep. <laughs> Some sort of critically thought, you know, explanation for things, but so yeah, I think. Can oh, I go ahead, Thomas. Sorry. Real quick, because this is this question of like motivation. Um, you know, like you look at a map of Ukraine, and it still includes Crimea, when yeah. functionally Crimea is not part of Ukraine anymore, right? You, when you mm-hmm. have the idea of Ukraine in your head, you really should just exclude before the war started. You should exclude that whole peninsula, which gives the whole country a different looking shape. Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, I mean. Putin got away with taking a very strategic peninsula away from the Ukrainians. And all of a sudden he has a port that is connected to the Mediterranean. He can exert power within the Mediterranean. I mean, that's not nothing. I mean, you saw sanctions against him for that, but nothing like the outpouring of like vodka on the street, which is a waste. I will always hold by that. It's like an absolute waste. Um, But what did the booze ever do to you? Yeah, I know. Exactly. (laughs) Like it was once I was like, I was, was at a bar with Dr. O'Donnell in Rome and I got an English beer. And he asked me, like, what did you get? I was like, this English beer, I'm sorry, it's English, because, you know, Dr. O'Donnell, like, rah, rah, <laughs> Ireland kind of thing. And he's like, well, if it's good, let them serve you. It's like, exactly, exactly. That is exactly the, if it's good, let them serve you. Like, duh, don't pour out your vodka. Like, um, but the point being is, like, Putin took a strategic, you know, part of the country, like the Crimea, which has obviously had a lot of impact and has a lot of history in the Russian Empire throughout time immemorial. Oh, yeah. You know, I am just of the opinion that like Putin could have gotten away with creating like these small shitty countries, rolling tanks to take like a decent amount of territory for them and then called it a day, you know, and kind of partitioned off part of the country just the same way he partitioned off Crimea and that all of a sudden he's. He kind of has this vibe with the rest of Ukraine. Like, yeah, you can't guys can't join NATO because look what I did to you. And if you if it happens again, I'll amass troops once again. Um, and like he didn't do that, though. He's clearly going for the whole thing. Right. He's clearly going for a complete regime change by attacking Kiev and trying to take the, the new capital city to get rid of my cousin. I'm just kidding. Not my cousin. Um, but you get what I'm saying, like doppelganger or whatever. Um, so I just, I just, I still, I'm just, I'm still, I still kind of think like, like we were saying, like, what's the motivation? Like, the, the, I don't know. Again, I'm not going to be a geopolitical expert, but Putin got away with taking an entire peninsula with minimal sanctions and not absolutely destroying the Russian economy and being on some sort of standing with the rest of the world and not a complete pariah state. And he got what he wanted, like, is it just that he's getting old that he's almost 70 so he's like you know i've got to do this before i 
kick the bucket because you know 70 in russian terms is like what 120 per men like, like i mean just like you know like there's not a long life expectancy right so i just i'm just wondering what's motivating because it's it's not it's just it's kind of clear he's not playing the same playbook that he had when he first started a civil war in in the eastern side of the country and when he took the crimea so i don't know i mean i just like i want to like I, I I'm a little worried. Like with Peter's point, is like he seems to be erratic. Like, yeah, his speech was weird and went on and on and on about why none of these countries should exist. And then at the end, he's just like, that's why I'm recognizing these countries have a nice day. Bye. It's like yeah. it was it was just it was a weird speech, right? Maybe part of it is because it's being translated in real time, but um, it just was like history lesson, history lesson, history lesson. Like get to the payoff. Payoff is like two minutes, three minutes, four minutes long. Yeah, not which his main argument was of that. Ukraine's a made up country. So I'm going to make up two new countries that have never existed. Yeah. in like in the history of like, I mean, if Ukraine, even as like an I ethnic. Mean, group, did, right? did you guys see that meme that uh, the U.S. embassy in Kiev put out? That was yeah. so uh, after the speech where he you know, where Putin claimed Ukraine has never been a real country. Mm-hmm. They had a timeline and it was like really old when uh, Ukraine was building monasteries and churches in Kiev. It was like 1066, 1160, like I think even started mm-hmm. in the 900s. Mm-hmm. And then so it does a comparison between Kiev and Moscow. So while they're building churches, Moscow is a forest mm-hmm. in each of these, like <laughs> in each of these time periods. And it's, you know, was, my thought was, well, if my taxpaying dollars have to go to something quality means is fine <laughs> by me, you know, <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> um, but okay. So, but I think I think it's speaks, pretty clear. I think oh. that speaks, though, to something of like this is something that I was reflecting on is that at least with Putin's speech again, this is this is Putin. This isn't excuse me speaking for the rest of the Ukraine or the rest of the Russians. So who knows where it is, you know, in public polling. But at least as far as I saw with Putin is that there was this insistence of keeping Ukraine within the Russian sphere for a lot of historical reasons and that some of it's like worries about NATO expansion, but then some of it is also the very intense desire to keep a historically, I want to say sacred place, but a historically important place to the Russian people within his orbit. And that he's operating on a different framework because the rest of us don't like in the West, you, know, you generally don't assume you have like that understanding of like the crusader mentality of the importance of the place, right? Like with Jerusalem, like Jerusalem is like, it's central. There's no real strategic reason to hold Jerusalem, right? Like there's no, yeah, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's an a, isolated city. Yeah. It's, it's an isolated city. It's not even a coastal city. It's hard to defend, but there's yeah. an ideological reason that plays a role in why the crusaders do it. I'm not trying to call Putin like a crusader, but there's still well, that ideological component that us in the West have generally written off as not so, really being as important anymore. And that for him, that's still a very operative framework to use when invading an entire damn country. So I don't know. I, I just I feel it might be like that literally the Russians and I don't want to say the Russians because it might be the rest of the Russians might be like, we don't give a shit. Um but like at least with Putin talking about that, like there's a there's a distinct I think I feel like there's a distinct element, a ideological element that we ourselves in the West just don't care about as much and that that's still operating 
within his, his within his framework. So I, I want to say I you touched on something that I wanted to get to, and it's this when we spoke with Philip Gilbert about kind of the Catholic Orthodox thing, mm-hmm. like the split in Ukraine. I while he while Putin, I don't think brought up Orthodox Christianity in his speech. The Russian Orthodox Church and the Kremlin are very close. Yep. And Putin, I it was last year, I believe, um, the Russian government spent a ton of money to build a new basilica for the Russian military. Mm-hmm. And it's this, I, I don't know if you call it a basilica. It's a Russian Orthodox church and it's huge and it's ornate. And, um, and so he has always had, he's using the Russian Orthodox church as a means of, um, you know, gaining popularity among the people, creating a foil with the godless West and, you know, setting himself up as this, you know, defender of Christianity. So the fact that you brought up this crusader mentality, while he has not expressed that in so many terms, I wouldn't be surprised if he views himself that way um, in his head, because I, when you hear people who carry water for Putin and you see the memes and you see the way he, um, you know, you'll see pictures of him venerating the Madonna or, you know, going to these things. um, He might see himself as a defender against godless globalist Western Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there, and I think that, and I really like the way you put that where it's like he, and actually that idea of the importance of the place, that's not new to the Russians either. And so when you had Stalingrad, Stalingrad was not a, um, strategically important city. The Nazis could have gone around it and the Russians could have abandoned it, but because it had Stalin's name, millions of guys, millions of men on both sides died there. Because of the importance of that, of the some symbolic, some symbolic importance of that city. Symbolism. Sim, I, I was struggling with that word. Thank you. Symbology. Because of the symbolism. To, yeah. to quickly put it in perspective, the German military lost as many men in Stalingrad as they did on the Western Front against yeah. the Americans. Like when yeah. we think of the American, like british front on the west you think of the battle of the bulge we think of pushing through to berlin it's like they lost as many men in stalingrad as they did on the western front and they could have gone around it but hitler refused he his general or officers at stalingrad were begging the nazi command to let them abandon the city and go for um i can't remember if it was st petersburg or moscow i'm I'm not that good they already they already they're already going with lenin well leningrad was already being um being sieged at that point so okay so they they could have gone for a more important city but hitler wanted that city because it was named after stalin and so this importance of place it's insane because it it, you know to us it's insane it's like why 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 care it's but uh but it exists and i think it's important to remember that uh, when we're kind of analyzing this yeah yep (sighs) so I wanted to. Oh, oh, sorry, Thomas. What were you going to say? No, 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 no. I just think thought Mike looked pensive. Oh, yeah, Michael. Do you have any thoughts on no, that? No, no, no. Continue. So, no. something else I wanted to kind of talk about is: Did Putin overestimate his ability, his 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 military's abilities? Because we're, I mean, we're coming up on a week, and as far as I can tell, they've made. I mean, they've hit. They've made a lot of damage. Yeah. But the Ukrainians have been able to maintain a defense. And at least the Americans 
have been putting out statements saying that there's low morale, they're running out of fuel and food in certain parts of their of their military. Um, I even I was reading one uh, thread of tweets from a former U.S. general who was saying um, he studied Russian military practices and training, and a lot of these guys are like conscripts, um, and they don't have a lot of training, and they're uh, so their morale is probably low. They probably actually don't really want to be there. They're young. Excuse me. And if you compare that to the Ukrainians who are defending their homeland. Many of them might be veteran forces and they have Western uh, uh, Western missiles and anti-tank stuff and guns. I wonder if he overplayed his hand to a certain extent. And he, yeah, I, it's kind of making me wonder if, you know, when we think of Russia, oh, this big, bad military, if they struggle to take even a mid-level power like Ukraine, they don't have a shot against the combined nations of NATO. Um, and this might be a good scenario where NATO becomes very much aware that the Russians don't have the capabilities to do as much as they, for all their bluster, they're not actually that powerful. They have 6,000 nukes, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, they have 6,000 yeah. nukes. But then everybody loses. So then we're, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, I, 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 I know it just like they have 6,000 nukes. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I'm still, I'm not like, you know, like I see some of these reports of these guys coming out and saying like a column of 50 Russian tanks was destroyed and three helicopters were shot down. I read that. I'm like the ghost of Kiev's killing billion <laughs> fighters. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. the Death Star. <laughs> I know. You're just like, you're like Luke maybe, Skywalker. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. The Skywalker no. of Kiev <laughs> takes down no. another ATAT. It's just like, what is it? Like blasting wampad holes back in Beggar's Cave? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, so, you're you're so right. Like, you have to be careful about all that stuff. I mean, I even saw some people like kept reposting this tweet about the Reaper of, of Ukraine. It's like, oh, this guy killed 20 Russians in one. It's like and the picture was from like some um uh, from some time ago, yeah. so who who knows what it actually or is? But like the guys who are like holding out Snake Island or whatever. Oh yeah, the ones who told the Russian ship to go f itself, and you're like, ah, oh, they all died. And like, no, they didn't. They didn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, there. I just like I was like I hate using the term misinformation, but there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there. Right? Yeah, there's there's people using video game clips. And yeah, I heard about on, that. I don't. Uh, what's the context of that? Um. Yeah. So sometimes, like, I, there's like there will sometimes be clips of like from video games that have been the saturation has been edited of like planes mm-hmm. flying and stuff. And you're like, whoa! I'm seeing like a plane getting shot at by you know like air to or ground to air mm-hmm. missile defense system. It's like, and then you look in the comments and everyone's like, dude, that's from like Battlefield Five or something or whatever. And you're like, that's not like that's not a and that uh, that's also an American plane. <laughs> it was like a warthog. <laughs> it's like it's not even a Russian plane. You're like, okay, never mind. But I mean, so like, yeah, like it's interesting. I think there's something we we could discuss is just the role of like Twitter and Telegram and just quick instant communication that plays in this. It's in, so fascinating. It's, it's it's an interesting dynamic, right? Because I remember when the U.S. invaded Iraq, 
you you just would get up that you kind of you could watch tv and they'd be pontificating and thinking and then maybe they'd get some more extra like footage and mm-hmm. you just kind of keep on watching your tv now it's just like you refresh your twitter feed and like every random civilian in ukraine who has a phone is uploading something mm-hmm. and so i think this is also like from a tactical standpoint it's like how the heck do you like do any sort of surprise attack when every single citizen armed with a cell phone and internet connection is able to pinpoint any troop movement? Mm-hmm. You know, even a random farmer who sees a column of tanks drive by can start recording it and just upload it. And I'm sure like the Ukrainians have to have something going on where they've got central command analyzing all these and pinpointing where the attacks are coming from. You know, you'd be stupid not to. And it's, so it's, it's just, yeah, it's, I mean, that's also my pray. I mean, it's also about like the, the, the country's uh, capacity to, to process all that information. Cause like sure. you can have this massive, massive flow of information and, and like, yeah, we can like scroll through on Twitter. But if we're actually like, if you're an actual like government body or you're, you're like, say you're in wartime or something, mm-hmm. you actually have to process and like digest all of that, take out what's relevant mm-hmm. and then be able to like compile it and like present it to the people that need to know that information and then have that be acted on. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hesitant to say that like Ukraine, Oh, they've got to be doing this thing. Cause it probably mm-hmm. actually takes huge amounts of infrastructure that I don't know that Ukraine has or not. But they have to be doing something where it's like the average farmer sees tanks moving. They have to have some sort of hotline that yeah. he can say, I saw a group of like, you know, battalion of tanks or whatever moving in this direction. So, yeah, no, I see your point where it's like, and you got to be like, oh, was that from Call of Duty? <laughs> like, what, like, what was that clip from? Like, no, that's uh, that's an EMP over Northern Virginia. That's from uh, Modern Warfare 2. That's not <laughs> that's not real. <laughs> I guess uh, Granny houses don't look like that. <laughs> but um, uh, but the inflation, the inflation of the numbers is also just like this, like when inflation of the numbers. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm at the risk of putting a tinfoil hat on my head. I'm super, super, super skeptical of any numbers here and anywhere from anybody about anything at any given time. Yep. Um, and it's, yeah, like, I, I mean, I was talking to one guy the other day and he was making a claim that, uh, that you know, Russia was taking all of these, um, very, very sympathetic to Russia, uh, taking all these, like, casualties for the sake of, like, for, because of them trying to preserve the Ukrainian life. And so they were taking on more casualties because they were trying to be like very gentle and careful and like how they proceeded in things. And I thought, and I saw a listener saying that and I was just like, ah, that mm, not sure about that. But mm. and then Peter's comment about the actual like combat readiness of the Russian military and like, is this telling or not? Well, is it telling, are they using all of their old stuff and all of their con- like easy conscripts to just like, you know, like, are they, are they using the trash stuff to just, get stuff out of the way. And so they're kind of fainting, like in boxing, if yeah. you like throw a shoulder or your hand extends from your body, you know, like, you know, like 12, six inches or something like that. The person thinks a punch is coming, but it's so quick. They react in the way you want them to. And then you can throw, you know, an actual punch. So are they, are they making a, like, are they fainting yeah. at you? Are they, you know, like, you know, yep. is that what's happening or is this actually the military, military, military capability of, you know, of Russia? And if so, yep. here you make a good point. Yep. Like, is this embarrassing? Like, is it? I mean, that's super callous and, and un, uncharitable to talk about a place where people are dying and stuff. As, oh, yeah. yeah. But no, yeah. I mean, I think it's, but it is a, uh, if we're talking about how the West 
treats this now. I mean, I, I don't think NATO has anything to be fearful of other than the nuclear problem. I yeah, mean, if this is the military capability of Russia, yeah. Um, other than the nuclear issue, they I don't think Eastern European countries have too much to be concerned about, or at least the NATO ones don't. Yeah. A week uh, later, when uh, Russian tanks <laughs> rolled into Warsaw, Peter thought to himself, wow, I was stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I know. But this is the thing where, like, I just I don't like I think Michael makes a good point. I think Peter makes a good point. Like, I've heard people saying reports that, like, Putin's frustrated with how the advance is going. And it might be true. But like, I, like, I don't know. I sent the I think I sent the Peter to you uh, video to you, Michael. Or yeah, Peter of the uh, Chechnyan troops coming in now. And like those guys were like, Oh shit. Like those guys didn't look like they're about to be messed with. Like that. Those looked like that looked pretty scary. Like I wouldn't want to be facing. Actually, I wouldn't want to be facing anyone. um, Cause I have no combat experience, obviously, (laughs) but but, like it just, we looked at it. You're like, okay, these guys are like, cause you've seen some of these pictures of, of captured Russian soldiers. And they look like teenagers who were lost, like in that clip from Jarhead. Right. Like, how did you end up in the Marine Corps? It's like, I got lost on the way to college, sir. And then he gets his head slammed against the wall. Um, it looks like that. But then at the same time, you look at these pictures of like Russian soldiers who look like confused teenagers who just look shell shocked. It's like, OK. And they've got the red armband on. How do you not know that was just not a Ukrainian kid? And they put a red armband and said, look like this. We're going to publish it. You don't know. I mean, you, you want to believe that, right? That they, so I think right, but you don't, you don't like it's what, what's not propaganda though. What, what can't be chalked up to propaganda is the fact that Ukrainians still control almost every major city in the country. Do they still own Kharkiv? Have Kharkiv? I don't think the battle's over. I don't know who controls it, but I think there's still fighting happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, you know, I not following it as closely, so I can't be an expert, but, Russia has not. The, Zelensky's still there. Yeah. The government's still calling the shots. The, the military is still. Um, I mean, from what you, I mean, whether or not the ghost of Kiev's real or the Snake Island soldiers. I mean, obviously, all these things are propaganda. But what's not propaganda is that Russia does not control the areas that they are attempting to control, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that's telling. Um, yeah. What, what yeah, about and, all, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. What about all these talks with, I mean, the Ukrainian prime minister or president? What is he? Is he a president? He's a president. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Ukrainian president. Um, Thomas is a stunt double. Um, uh, with like with <laughs> <Nice>. this guy. <laughs> yeah. with this guy, uh, like all of his like appeals to the US and these other countries, and it's kind of like, uh, what's it called? Like shaming, um, like, like, like uh, virtue shaming. Mm-hmm. Um, of certain Western countries, like I see, I get, I get what he's doing. I understand it. Like it makes yeah. sense. It checks out. But at the same time, like, are we really prepared to like install a draft? Like, are we prepared yeah. to commit the full military, you know, force to you know to 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 this conflict, American lives? And then if if U.S. and Russia are in an active, like, are in a hot war, then where are we with our nuclear weapons, like nuclear arsenals? Like, how is that going to play out? Like, are they going to say, well, since we both have them, this means we're forced to have a uh, conventional war. Or does this mean, Hey, if you come step closer, I don't care what comes next, like a wounded animal, I'm going to strike out at you and we'll see where the chips lie. Like, Oh, it's real sketchy. So I don't know. 
I mean, that's it's so sketchy. And if you look at what press uh, what started the um, world, the U.S.'s involvement in World War One, the U.S. was secretly sending weapons to Britain. The Germans found out about it, sunk a ship that the U.S. that they thought had U.S. arms on it, but it was a cruise ship that also had civilians on it. And then the U.S. is like, oh, this is a war crime. We're going to war. Well, and, also, and, and also the thing with Mexico. Oh, yeah. The Zimmerman. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So you have those two things um, sinking Lusitania and the Zimmerman telegraph. Like what the U.S. is doing is n- not sneaky about sending really powerful arms to Ukraine and a lot of money. Yep. I mean, is there a point where Russia stops ignoring that and they start taking shots at, you know, C-130s that are flying into Kiev or wherever they're taking the stuff to? Man, um, Ukraine could have been stimmies. <laughs> stimulation <laughs> checks? Is that what you're saying? Stimmies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, I mean, that's guns, how... Guns with it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how the U.S. has gotten involved in other wars where we, you know, quietly are like, here, have all these weapons, and then Some somebody calls us out on it, and they're like, oh, it's time to go. And it's, yeah. So it's, I, a, I mean, it's a very dangerous situation. I was going to say, I mean, like, at what point... Um, yeah, talking about like World War II and, and, and giving weapons and everything like that. Um, at what point do we think like Russia would just stop? Right. So what what does a what does an end game scenario look like if Russia doesn't succeed in annexing the territory it wants to? What happens then? Is Russia going to just pout in the corner and and just be shown for like not being a strong military power and just not respected and huge sanctions and the the country's going to just be continually continues to cr- crumble underneath itself. Like what happens? Like I, if if they don't succeed in taking that land, they don't yeah. flip the government, flip the Ukrainian government. Yeah, right. I mean, I think it's obvious again. Like I mentioned at the beginning, that the fact that Putin kind of went for it all means that he's pushed all of his chips on the table. Mm-hmm. On this one, with the exception of the nukes kind of sitting in the back near his hand. Um, I don't know. Like, I know I don't want to say this like irresponsibly, but I really think the way it might potentially end would be a regime change in Russia where Putin gets overthrown, assassinated by someone in his own cabinet, something like that. But then that opens up a whole other can of worms. Like, do you yeah. really want a power with 6,000 nukes? going through like some sort of regime change. Like, that's, that's a terrifying thought as, as well. Like Tom, we're crying what, out loud. We were had, you here on January 6th. Well, yeah, exactly. You had Miley calling up the Chinese, right? I mean, like, Oh, well, I, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen them right now? <laughs> <laughs> like you guys don't have a like natural line of communication that you can go through. Like we were just picking up your iPhone, you know, be like, "Hey, by the way, a little tussle here, sending in some cops." But uh, don't, you, don't you remember the 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 January six riots and the the extremely poor transition of power between our the former president? It was, but it, it wasn't like it was, Brandon. Yeah, but it wasn't like regime change in the same of like someone's just straight up assassinating the president. So I don't know. Have you guys seen the movie Crimson Tide? What do you say? Red Dawn? Different yeah. than no different move. So Crimson Tide is is, is that got Harrison a, Ford? No, this one's uh, Crimson Tide's got Denzel Washington in it, and Denzel Washington's like a lieutenant on a U.S. submarine. 
Oh, oh, I just started that movie. Oh, really? Oh, good. So uh, don't worry. Don't worry. No, no, no. Don't worry. Okay. About it. All right. Anyways, th- but this is the scenario. There's civil war in Russia and the group who is trying to take power gets a hold of the nuclear codes and they're threatening the U.S. with them. And then this U.S. submarine is out there ready to, you know, uh, eviscerate a. Yeah. So this is what you were just talking about, Thomas, is the script of a movie that is out there. Which is yep. terrifying. Also, it is it's, it's scared to think about, like, you know, like how many times have we been so close like to some sort of catastrophic event where somebody thinks something, somebody misreads a signal or like, like doesn't understand that the submarine's coming up for whatever, but not actually opening. It's like, you know, it's nuclear missile doors or whatever. Like how close have we come? How many times and how close have we come on these different times to like some sort of catastrophic event that we just don't know about. Yep. Yep. And then when you have this much chaos and like, just, yeah, like reckless mm-hmm. abandonment, um how much more heightened are those worries and like are you know things like that to ha- like or more likely for the things like that to happen i don't know yeah. oh totally um what was there was one where i'm trying to remember which scandinavian country it is and i'm looking it up on the fly but there was a scandinavian country that sent up a satellite and they didn't let anybody know apparently or they didn't let people know that hey, we're sending up a, a rocket into space. Uh, and for a few moments, both the US and Russia were uh, on a knife's edge. And I'm pretty, I can't remember if this was the, the time, but there was another, there was a situation where a Russian officer was kind of yeah. put on standby to launch nukes and he didn't. Didn't. Yep. He chose not to. Yep. And it, it was the right call um, because whatever they were reading was not actually a US attack. And um, I'm, yeah, I wish I could remember that guy's name, but I, I've read a thing where it's like, this guy should have a lot more like recognition as like s- savior of humanity than like, yeah. um, uh, who's a, oh, uh, uh, who's a climate change guy uh, who made uh, inconvenient truth. Uh, oh man. Uh, Michael Moore. Uh, no, no, not Michael Moore. Uh, Al Gore. Al, Al Gore. Gore. Like, <laughs> Like out, like all these people, you know, all these, you know, SJW types who are like, you know, mm-hmm. out there making money off of this, and and then you know, you have somebody like this Russian officer who Stanislav Petrov. Okay, Stanislav Petrov. Uh, it was in 1983. So just by keeping a cool head and you know not and and choosing you know to stay his hand, uh, probably saved all of humanity uh, from nuclear holocaust. Yeah. It's, yeah. And like Th- Thomas brings up, I mean, I like, I like Thomas, Thomas's example, uh, your example about um, what might happen in like a, uh, an end, like a, a losing scenario for Russia in this conflict. Like, so they, they fail to succeed. Um, what happens then? Um, but yeah. And I wonder if like, if that really is the most likely outcome, is that no, like, regime- can I be honest? So I don't think Russia is going to lose this. You really don't. I, I think that they will capture Kiev eventually. You think they'll take Kiev as well. I think they'll take it. I think they'll, I like, like yeah, like Kiev is how far past the actual areas they wanted, like where they they talked about. Oh, it's way far. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, I think it's I think long term it's going to hurt the Russians because I almost feel like it's going to turn into like another Afghanistan sort of situation huh. in which you have like a lot of rebels who are pissed off at getting their 
government overthrown by a foreign power. I think Putin's whole idea of like bringing them back into the Russian fold, I, like there's nothing that delineates you more against the other than being attacked by the other. I think this is like set up a clear delineation. It's like the Irish and the English. It's like, yeah, they have similar customs. They have similar language. They have a shared history. It's like, there is no way in hell that the, it's, it's not Italians, Irish want to be part of the English. Like they just, they don't, right? Like, yeah, there's Northern Ireland, stuff like that. There are all those, that quagmire, that issue. But at the end of the day, you know, people have made other comparisons, but I really think um, that, as those ladies and people talk about this, that it, the Ireland England situation makes the most sense because it's, it's two cultures that should get along and be very similar, but don't. Hmm. Um, Cause remember, like, it's not like it's, it's like, like Ukraine, some parts of Ukraine helped the Nazis during world war two because of the Holodomor or Holdomor, however you pronounce it, the terror famine when like three to 4 million of them died because Stalin just like, rampantly starved them to death yep you know so it's like yeah there's a shared history because the kiev rus were connected in some way shape or form with you know the greater area of russia but it's not a happy like history by any stretch of the imagination you know like just starving rampantly starving people to death to the point where then you align yourself with the fascists quickly after because yeah like my whole family starved to death so anything's got to be better than you know being under stalinist rule like it's not a happy history and i think this is just not going in the long run the ukrainians aren't going to turn on and be like huh maybe it would be nice to be into russian orbit again how about we yeah. just like put all this eh, let's put this aside and like live under the nice russian i think it'll devolve into a quagmire and again it's about the size of texas you're going to need a constant military presence to put down a constant rebellion and you have NATO right there in the Polish border willing and able to just keep on like, here, would you like some more guns? Oh man, I saw you getting a little low on ammo there. Yeah, no, don't worry. There's some rednecks there who can't get any five, five, six, but you take some bud. Like, right. Like, like there's, there's no, there's no, I don't see like how Putin brings Ukraine after all of this, how he brings Ukraine back into his orbit in any sort of peaceful manner without just like some sort of genocide. Right. Of just yes. massacring people almost indiscriminately. I don't see how he brings them to heal um, in the short term, though. I just like <clears throat> it sounds really I don't know, just this sounds morbid, but they don't underestimate the ability of the Russians to just throw lives at a problem. Right. Like, yeah, they're taking losses in some capacity trying to get to Kiev. Like, I, I don't think that it's going to really stop it. I think you saw that whole thing of the 40 mile, however long it was, convoy that was getting ready to move towards Kiev. If that doesn't work, like right now, because like I remember like a couple days ago, and this is getting what a phenomenal is- target. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, hold on there, Bill Ackman. <laughs> like, you know, we could just take them now, man. Just, just send in some F 15s. Come on, man. Let's do it. Um, well, watch. Yeah. So, but like the thing is, is like, like if, like there was this point in which Zelensky said it's going to be a dark night for Kiev, right? And Kiev didn't fall. Great movie. And yeah, yeah that, that would be a good movie, actually. Um, somebody made the point that Jeremy Renner should play Zelensky. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that works. That works really well. But, like, if this convoy, like, them going for Kiev this time doesn't work, I don't see why they wouldn't just regroup and try again, you know? And at the end of the day, I feel like Russia can put more into some sort of invasion and attack and can sustain higher casualties than than the Ukrainians can. And eventually, it's because if it turns into a war of attrition, my, my money's on the Russians, mm-hmm. um, unless there's a regime change. I mean, again, Russia lost eight to 15 million soldiers on the Eastern Front, like almost double that of Germany in the entire, like Germany in the entire war. That is a catastrophic amount of lives you're willing to throw at a problem. And a very serious problem, obviously, right? But I just, I, I just, I like, like, yeah, the Ukrainians are holding out, but unless there's some sort of like intensely, intensely problematic issue going on in the domestic front in Russia, which again, I can't speak yeah. with any sort of evidence. I just, I think they keep, I think they eventually wear down the Ukrainians. That's my, I think we're kind of getting a little bit over our skis being like, yeah, go Ukraine, little guy fighting to the Russians. Like, just, you, they'll just, they'll just keep on going, man. I mean, you, you, yeah, I, I think you're right that is, if we're going, if history is any indicator, like we talked about with Stalingrad, Russia has a history of just throwing millions of men at a problem. Um, which I would love to know where that comes from. Like, I have no idea. I like because I mean, it's an Orthodox Christian country, no, idea. but they seem to have a different view than at least the. Well, I don't know. I mean, but like even even in World War One, even in World War One, they're literally yeah. sending in peasants who haven't been trained yeah. into battle against right. Germany in World War One, and they're yeah. sustaining massive casualties. I mean, you know, uh, to be, I mean, to have all sides of this. I mean, to be fair, the British, I I always forget the number, but within twenty four hours at the Battle of the Somme, they lost like, I think it was like tens of thousands of men within like twenty four hours. It was some unholy number of souls, yeah. mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I, I think this is going to be, I, I think you're right that, you know, all things being equal, Russia should eventually be able to take Kiev. But I think that there are other factors that will create immense pressure on the Kremlin yeah. to acquiesce. Um, and it's going to be, I mean, these economic sanctions I know people kind of joke about uh, Brandon and what he's doing, but um, <laughs> we just call him Brandon now. Let's go, <laughs> Peter. Yes, let's go, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> uh, but if we're going to be honest here, these—I mean—cutting off Russia banks, Russian banks from the like whole of the Western banking system is a big deal. Blocking com- Russian flights from entering basically any airspace is a big deal. Um, not allowing Russia to sell their bonds on what on in bond markets that'll have a huge economic impact. Um, so it's going to become very uncomfortable for the Russian populace um, if this continues. And does this cause regime change? Uh, I mean, things have to get pretty bad. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's the sad part too, because you have a lot of Russians who probably they probably couldn't care less. I mean, yeah. it, it's, I mean, there's probably a lot of apathy towards what's happening, or at least 
I don't know about apathy, but like I, they'd rather not go to war to try and, you know, force Ukraine under the Russian flag. Um, mm-hmm. But and so the fact that they're going to suffer and there'll probably be, you know, runs on the banks, shortages of food, all of this stuff is really tragic. Um, but I, I, so, Thomas, I don't know. I, it's like, does this are they able to. OK, so let's say they take Ukraine, they get Zelensky, they they put in a new guy like our the West will never recognize it. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, so what, how does, if Russia does get a strategic victory and install a, a puppet, what does that even look like? Does, does the rest of the world just deal with it? Or I think they keep on arming rebels and there's just civil war until that puppet government is overthrown. This is why I still, when you look at it, like, Again, Putin got away with taking an entire peninsula. That's a very important strategic peninsula. I just think they bit off, like, again, my unprofessional opinion, just being a person who reads articles and discusses this and looks on Twitter, which is like probably more than some people, but not anything of an expert nature. I just, I just, I don't see how they hold these positions for long. Like, I just, I think it just creates a gaping wound that everyone's fighting over for the next five to 10 years. You know, like, I just don't see how this, and again, then that means like, I mean, we of all people as Americans should know just the psychological draining nature of having a war going on for, you know, 20 years in Afghanistan or just going on for however long in, in Iraq where it's like, yeah, you have the, the adrenaline of the original victory, where you see the statue of Saddam getting tap like top toppled, not tackled. That'd be like pretty crazy if some Iraqi guys just like ah rugby takes it. Um, but you see, you know, you see that down, you're like, yeah, great, cool democracy. And then it's like, and then it's just insurgency for years after that. And you just the casualties pile up and you're just you're worn out and you're just like, this was just a terrible idea. Yeah. I just I don't really see how that isn't the situation that evolves. In, a, in, a, in Ukraine, if this is what happens, I just I don't see Ukrainians again. This is not to say like you know, my Ukrainian sources in Kiev have said that, but like I maybe this is me buying into Ukrainian propaganda. I just don't see. I don't know, like a peaceful resolve with the Ukrainians just being OK, we're back in the fold of Mother Russia. That was nice being our own country for 30 years. You know, like 30 years is a long time to not have an quote unquote overlord, you know, like to have some sort of at least nominal freedom. Um, so have that taken away. I just I just think that sustains a long and very bloody insurgency. So I think it's kind of an interesting. So I think it's a good place to kind of move into take us out of this place where we're trying to analyze details, but take us a little higher level. Mm-hmm. So let's say, uh, yeah, the Ukrainian government falls, puppet regime is installed, and it's not really a democracy. Um, we lose, I don't want to go so far as to say we lose like a European democracy because I know it's a little more complicated than just saying it's, you know, it's a straight up and the down democracy. Apparently, I knew it was in, the, was in the Panama Papers. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. I forget exactly what those were, but yeah, he was. So the Panama Papers were a, it was, leaked documents that showed 
where how the elites of the world hide their money. Oh, okay. um, yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, uh, but anyways, so let's say Ukraine falls, and then let's say like Taiwan falls, and then all of these like independent countries or you know independent peoples start being absorbed by these emerging new hegemonic empires. Yeah. Um, is this the new world order? They don't join NATO and like America's Pacific Rim. <laughs> like, you know, like they'd be like they're absorbed by the other world powers now. Unthinkable. Right. <laughs> Dear well, boy, that's not, that is not acceptable to the American empire, I do say. Well, that, well, okay. Yes, you can be I, like, I'm yeah, being, a little, I'm being right. a little sarcastic. I'm being a little. Well, sarcastic. no, but I, okay. Yeah. But I mean, I get your point that the U.S. exerts extreme influence in a lot of these countries. Mm-hmm. And not always to the better, not always for the better, but it baseball is in Japan, though, that was for the better, because that's yeah, the only yeah. baseball we're going to be watching pretty soon. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I think there's a huge difference between, you know, the U.S. bringing some neoliberal progressive ideas to a country that may not vibe mm-hmm. as compared to military occupation. And like the potential for, I mean, I, I don't want to be overly um, uh, dramatic here, but I mean, the potential for genocide in some of these places is real. I mean, we're dealing with people who, Are as you mentioned, have no right problem. What, was that? They're doing it right now. Right. China's and, doing it right now. Yeah. I know exactly. I just, I know I just yeah. gut punched my social credit score, but. Like, no, but it's so like the. Like as much as we like to complain about U.S. empire and you know messing up countries, I not those things are not good. But you you can hold these two things in your head. Yeah, exactly. U.S. invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan were bad, but they are not as bad as the the Chinese and the Russians conquering these places for in, for intending to like bring them into their territories. Yeah. And oh wait, eliminate- how, how about dropping two atomic bombs on populated cities? So no, no, that's that's up there with the top three worst things that have happened. I mean, that is, I mean, for sure. I I have no, uh, I I don't have any uh, sympathy really for what Truman did there. Um, I I think I've disagreed with that one. Um, but I, I also don't like the. I'm not sure if I'm 100 percent on board of, with the like. Well, the whataboutism of it all, like, yeah, um, because we lose track of the fact that, you know, China has eliminated Christianity from its country. It's attempting to eliminate Islam. Well, it's I attempting the Vatican to- signed a deal. With them. Well, I'm just I'm being very sorry. Uh, but so you have like a lot of uh, I, I don't know. And maybe I have a blind spot. You know, maybe somebody yeah. can be like, no, the U.S. is really like the worst thing ever but i don't see it I, I mean i certainly and i try to be pragmatic about it yeah um i don't see that being the case um yeah. and i do think that the u.s at the end of the day has been more of a force for good than a force for evil um in the many situations but and that's holding also that we were wrong to bomb mm-hmm. use nuclear weapons we were wrong in um the invasion of iraq we were wrong in uh uh, 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 everything internally like you know jim crow like all this stuff that we've done that has been abhorrent 
but yeah, like, like any like, normal human being can be like probably yeah. a bad idea. Oh yeah. No, not even just probably like these were, you know, patently bad ideas and evil, but we can say all of those things, but then we can also look at the good foreign policy things that we have accomplished and all of the things that we have brought to the world as with, you know, advances yeah. in technology and freedom. And um, I mean, the fact that like almost every free country has based their constitution on ours, mm-hmm. I think is a huge deal. Like mm-hmm. the idea of democratically elected governments with branches of government checks and balances, all of that stuff is not a small thing. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I rambled a lot there. But no, and, I, and I'm sorry. I threw a wrench. I Michael's about to jump in on something. Like, okay, go for it. Thomas? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. For oh, I was, I was just saying like, yeah. And I threw a wrench in there because I was, uh, you know, mentioning atomic bombs in my bitter, yeah. bitter way. But uh, I, I, I do get like, there's like the contextualization of like, okay, yes, this has happened. This is not then. This is now. This is a different scenario, different case, different people, different, uh, you know, uh, you know, power, power players, um, different decision makers, <clears throat> granted. But um, I, I do think that, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I am disenfranchised enough to, to not, to, you know, of course, and, and I know you, you're pretty measured in how you look at everything, but um, I'm disenfranchised enough to be like, okay, well, I'm not like, uh, like when, when I hear on, you know, I'm reading on Twitter and reading on, you know, CNN or whatever, it's like, you know, now we got to be like unified and unity. And, and currently um, this is going to be published after this uh, speech yeah. is finished, but uh, at the state they're of the- not wearing masks. I just checked. I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, not wearing Surprise. masks. At the State of the Union address, you have, you know, you had everybody uh, waving uh, the Ukrainian flag, or I'm not sure if it's Ukrainian or if it's West Virginia colors, but um, <laughs> great support for one of the states in the Union I've ever seen. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, like, I, uh, I'm, I know there's more to it than just saying like, yeah, okay, we're a bad country too, so like we don't matter. Like we have been a force for good and things, and you know, bringing about good things. But I'm I am hesitant to to see like all the talks of unity and every all the information that you know we're kind of receiving right now as um, like I don't know I'm just I, I'm a, I'm a little nerve nerve wrecked at uh, at like just how close I, I don't know chaos is never a good thing we're all about I'm all yeah. about harmony we want harmony um, yep. uh, and the the conflict is people dying is already a bad thing but just the 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 chaos is is just you just stir in a pot um and throwing ingredients in blindfolded and you know who knows maybe you'll throw in you know a bag of gunpowder or something i you you make an incredibly good point where it's you need to be measured on this because to use the historical example again the the unitive fervor that captured europe where it's like oh we're all going to unite and then we're all going to go kill those guys. Yeah. Ended up horribly. Yeah. Um, and so that's what you want to avoid <laughs> for sure. Um, uh, what did they call it? Uh, so I, I'm trying to remember. Somebody had a great term for that fervor. It was, uh, I'll think of it, but it was. So as we're, so dear listener, as you're consuming the media about this, just make sure that you're, you're staying informed about, and then looking at it with the broad, like the the broad context, and just who's giving you the information, what are what is their angle, and what are they trying to get you to do, and that's I think how you have to look at everything that's happening here to try and like you know keep your sanity, and then also not get caught up in um, 
whatever they're trying people are trying to get you caught up in also any historical context you can get the better i mean yes the more i mean like the the thing you brought up earlier talking about like uh when we we're talking about you know this city is important not because it's strategically important but because of its, its historical significance yep. just like n- understanding knowing that ukraine was one of the largest holders of nuclear weapons and they made these deals to get rid of them and where are those deals now like what how is that affecting things or how has that affected them up to this point um these are all really important uh you know uh intricacies to be aware of because they it's a very complex situation that we find ourselves in and and right now, or not right now, but uh, a couple days ago, I guess, right now it's happening as we're recording it. But uh, um, uh, President Biden um, had opened up the State of the Union address, just just talking about specifically the thing that's going on in Ukraine and pointing out the, I think, Ukrainian ambassador uh, mm-hmm. who's present, uh, who was present at the um State of the Union. This is really hard to talk about the State of the Union dress. State of the Union dress in past tense, as is happening right now. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a t- I'm, I'm stretching my uh, was it uh, disbelief or whatever uh, suspension of disbelief right now. So, but <laughs> did you guys see Kamala Harris over in Europe? Yeah, no. she was. It was bad. It was very bad. No, like she was giving a, a like an interview after speaking. I it was at a security summit, and she, like. She kept saying, we got to look into the future, the future for children of Europe, the future. And she was saying a lot without saying anything. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I kind of get for the optics. You want your vice president involved in what's happening. So that's why you send them. Mm-hmm. But she was so obviously out of her depth uh, when it comes to this. And it's uh, like, I, I'm thinking, where has the U.S. gone with its, you know, senior statesmen? Like, I don't know, even when they like, not that I would say like Nixon was like a saint, but like when you had Nixon and um, Henry Kissinger, you know, wheeling and dealing, yeah. like you, they at least publicly looked very competent and they instilled confidence. Kennedy, Reagan, all these guys, they instilled confidence when they got up and spoke on foreign policy. They spoke with confidence and, and strength. Um, FDR. I mean, so. I don't know. I, we've got we've we've fallen a long way. We really have. It's, <laughs> um, that was embarrassing. It was. It, it is embarrassing. And uh, another thing. Oh man, I Emmanuel Macron. I, so this is <laughs> we're getting kind of into the weeds and like foreign policy stuff here. But so do you guys remember when Macron was like mad at the U S because we muscled him out of a submarine deal with the Australians. <laughs> yes, the um, do you remember this, Michael? <laughs> was it the, was it the coal powered? No. What was it? No, no, no. no. Oh, um, so France and Australia had a deal where France was going to sell the Aussies a bunch of subs. And then Biden's administration went around Macron and signed this new uh, security defense pact with Australia and sold them a bunch of our submarines. <laughs> without telling the French it was happening and the French aren't a part of this new deal. Oh my um, gosh. And France was ticked. And so you had that happen. And then Macron. That's amazing. Oh yeah. It was a huge embarrassment for France. And um, then he goes over to Putin to like try and negotiate peace. Like, Oh, I'm going to be this, like the French European diplomat. We're going to fly over there. We're going to do this. Yeah. And like Putin's like, 
lying to his face like oh I, i'm not going to invade like you you know and it's it, this is fine you're being hysterical like two days after he leaves he's rolling tanks like yeah i i, I just well yeah the ineffectual like he's so ineffectual in like in his attempts to uh lead it's kind of yeah it's kind of sad that's actually fun i did not hear about that oh uh, yeah i thought i thought you were talking about way old 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 news where oh. canada i think bought uh, um, coal power, like steam, like some sort of really. <laughs> some, it's probably the diesel powered, like yeah, some yeah, really, yeah. really out of date yeah. old submarine that's just yeah. like yeah. embarrassing. And but this oh. is worse. This is actually somehow worse than that. It is. <laughs> the other interesting, weird thing was seeing all of a sudden out of nowhere, Germany's like, okay, yeah, we haven't been spending anywhere close to what NATO demands, like two percent GDP or whatever it is exactly. Yep. We're going to spend like 100 billion euros on defense now. It's like, you guys going to start marching through like Belgium now, like just instinctively and like Schlieffen <laughs> 2.0 to take Paris? Like, this is like, what's that? Again? This is a weird state where everyone's like, yes, Germany's militarizing. We're like, oh, why are we cheering? I, I, however much I despise the relevance of memes in our. <laughs> In our in our society, um, I didn't see one not <laughs> recently. That was like uh, it was uh, assistant along the lines. I can't remember if I sent it to you guys, um, but it was something. It's like, hey, Germ- Germany has been on the losing side for two world wars. They're our ally. Are we sure we want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. What we need to watch out for is which side the Italians start on. <laughs> and then that would be the side that loses. <laughs> so, and they're NATO, so they'll probably start off with, oh, oh boy. Um, <laughs> part of NATO too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, okay, yeah. so could we pivot real quick? Um, sure. Taiwan, is this happening next year? Or do you think the or Chinese... next week. Or next week. Do you think the Chinese have looked at what happened to Putin and Russia and the sanctions that have just crashed into them and said, yeah, it's not worth taking an island that there's, there's really no chance of it ever you know, jumping across and reasserting its like claim to China. This, like that's not going to happen. Um, do they say, forget it, it's not worth it. Or do they still just go for it? They still say, eh, sanctions would be a lot harder to carry out against us than it would be to, Russia to just isolate Russia like a huge gigantic North Korea. I don't know. I worry about that situation. Not more, but I worry about how that one would play out differently. Um, I I definitely I definitely think that if I mean oh my gosh like just imagining if NATO is physically involved in a comp- in conflict. But we wouldn't, um, wouldn't be, I don't, be NATO at this point, though. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. But I, I don't even want to like imagine that that happening. But if NATO, I think if NATO, if the U.S. get involved in this stuff going on with Russia, then the likelihood of what you're talking about dramatically goes through the roof, and like sooner rather than later. Because like, hmm. I, I think I think you know taking opportunity. I mean, like, what's the like the, the strength check? Check. Like you had you had mm-hmm. Obama come into office. And then they took uh, they took Crimea. Then you have Trump coming to office, and we you know like d- d- disintegrate a bunch of Russian uh, you know uh, what are they called mercenaries, and we're like don't mess with us. And so they didn't mess with us. And then Biden comes into office, and now they're attacking Ukraine. So it's like this it's a strength test 
the strength test that people are doing every time we have a, a power change in our country because we're the you know we're the world leader of like, military of anything essentially and um and i think that if we get wrapped up into something like real like materially wrapped into something then there's no telling what other countries are going to try to get a, like, you know, try to do or like do this or do that. Cause I won't be on them. Like our eyes and our focus will be on something entirely different. And I, I think it's a really good point. And what's going to be really difficult for Taiwan is that Taiwan does not have the uh, support. So there's two big things. I think we need to consider Taiwan would be way easier to conquer than Ukraine. Just it's way smaller. Doesn't have nearly as large as the military much more difficult to defend really and it doesn't have the to defend i gotta push back on that a little bit because it is an island i i've seen some pretty i i think i sent that article to you thomas Mm -hmm. um where they went through different scenarios Mm -hmm. uh, as to what are what's possible um without u.s intervention Mm. i don't think Taiwan has enough of an air force to have air superiority um, mm-hmm. to defend itself. I, I think they have, they have an air force, but I don't think it would last long enough for it to hold out for very long. And all you have to then sort of have to do, because there's nowhere for them to retreat to. Yep. I think that's the sad mm-hmm. part. There's nowhere for them to go. If, if they blow up, like, they like already the did. Yeah. Exactly. They've already hit the wall. So if you blow up their air bases and you take out their air force, it's and now, you know, I think they're tough. I think the one thing I did see is that Americans, they are trained. They they're, they do train with Americans. American military people say that the Taiwanese military is actually pretty well disciplined and they train a lot and they have mm-hmm. some pretty good weapons. But China's massive. and they're yeah so anyways i i think the other part of it is the economic side yeah like what we're talking about like oh are we going to start pouring out our like we're pouring out our vodka does u.s tell apple you have to shut down your plants in china and it's probably not going to happen and uh it's a would that be though oh it'd be fantastic (laughs) (laughs) yeah it'd be you know but I think we're not going to see the outpouring of support where it's, you know, I, I mean, we barely, like the U.S. barely did a diplomatic boycott of the Olympics that just happened. Yeah. yeah. Like it was a very tepid, like, we're not going to send any diplomats there, but our athletes will go. Like, I, I don't see, the, I, like, so for all those reasons, I think if China has any inclination to take it, I think they will under Biden. Um, and I don't think that like, so while you have, um, the other point I wanted to make, so while you have Ukraine who has all these European countries who are supporting them deeply because they have these European connections and they're bordered, like, I mean, and they're bordered yeah. Taiwan borders, none of them. Yeah. They don't have the same ethnic or language connections that, um, to like Japan or Korea. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that these countries are going to step up and, you know, go to war for Taiwan and, China's been on a on a huge campaign to um, like a bunch of countries prior to the like recently recognized Taiwan as being a separate country. Mm-hmm. But slowly but surely, China has been convincing all of those countries to no longer recognize them, including Vatican City. 
Vatican City was one of the last handful of countries that still had diplomatic ties with Taiwan. And within the past few years, they cut that off. And so most countries in the world, the U.S., I think, has this funny, like they play this balancing act where it's like, yes, Taiwan is China, but we also kind of recognize Taiwan as its own thing, like secretly sort of like it's we play this balancing act. But it's a. um, But on the global scale, like. Ukraine is obviously recognized by everybody as being an independent country from Russia. Taiwan does not have that same recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think they'll get the same kind of support. I can't believe the papacy did that. That's pretty lame. Oh, it was Francis's papacy. So I, yeah. Lame. Pray for our Pope. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Well, that was, that came down a part of, I think that was a part of the negotiations for the China deal where the Chinese mm. uh, nominate bishops or they approve bishops, whatever. It is. I see. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. So is this kind of the end of American, was a hegemony, but being able to project power in both directions, across the Atlantic and the Pacific in these two instances? Or, I I mean I don't think I, I I'm not convinced that Ukraine's going to fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think NATO is going to flex some serious muscles. I think the EU is going to flex muscles, mm-hmm. and even if they don't put troops, I mean, okay, th- think about this: Ukraine established a foreign legion and said, if you want to come fight for us, go to your local Ukrainian embassy and enlist in our foreign legion. Like, what's going to stop, like, these countries from saying, oh, we're not going to, like, the Poles, for example, saying Polish special forces, you're not going to go fight over there under the Polish flag, but you can go fight under the legionnaire flag of Ukraine. Like, I mean, it's, I think it's going to start getting much more interesting as these these things develop. And I don't think Russia is going to, I can't see it happening. Um, and that's different than what I thought before. Um, but yeah. I think we have to consider what, what about the nuclear situation is, yeah. but we already kind of covered it. I don't want to rehash something. <laughs> down. Yeah. I, yeah, I still, I mean, yeah, I'm curious to see where things go too, especially with Biden, uh, being like, I mean, opening his, uh, state of the union address with just very, very strong language or what seems like strong language. I'm, I'm actually watching it as we're talking. Like I have it, I'm like reading subtitles and talking. <laughs> Um, with you guys, uh, and uh, um, from 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 the subtitles, the subtitles seem strong. Or the, uh, <laughs> just leave it. Uh, just leave it at the subtitles. Not the the uh, the, the, uh, the sign language lady looks real mean. <laughs> she looks super scary. I I wouldn't want to go to war with that. Um, so I mean, at least on the on that front, um, I, I do think it's. I, I I think I agree with Peter that uh, Nato is going to be doing some serious uh, flexing. Um, yeah, but yeah, serious flexing, not weird flex, real flex. I think it's going to be um, kind of imminent, I imagine. So, yeah. oh, but that also just worries me. Like, you know, yeah. it's been acting erratically, and we start getting NATO involved. Like, what happens after yeah. that? What is how does that end up per- potentially starting something bigger? Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say is that I don't think the Chinese, because we, I think often people say, well, will the Chinese back up the Russians? I don't think they do. 
I I don't think China risks their military and treasure for the Russians. I, I don't yep. think that happens. Yep. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, that would, I, I think that would, I mean, you'd have to have some, again, like, I mean, I, look at the other world wars, like how they start and like how all these different countries become involved. Um, talking about Taiwan and all that. Sort of, like there, there, there has to be some very, very significant and interesting chain of events to occur for not only two conflicts to happen simultaneously that we would be involved in, but two con- like a, a, a conflict where you have both Russia and China uh, teaming up. You know, I mean, I just that seems that's kind of a stretch of my imagination, at least. So um, I just got a clip of him saying of Biden saying, let me be clear, our forces are not engaged and will not engage in the conflict with Russian forces in Ukraine. Um, but to, uh, so our forces in, in Europe uh, to defend our NATO allies in the event that Putin decides to keep moving west. Um, so does that mean that the U.S. actually thinks he's going to try and continue to move west or is this purely just a, you know, huh. deterrence? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> Yep. Maybe maybe that will have happened by the time this happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, edit, editing will tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave all that. Leave it all. Leave it all good. Yep. But, uh, well, if uh, if by the time this video is posted, if uh, we haven't entered a nuclear holocaust, then uh, you should like and subscribe. And, yeah. Uh, Hit the little notification bell, and as long as the uh, internet's still working, you should uh, check <laughs> good, us out. Good, good, good bunker meditation. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen to us. I mean, go back to some of our uh, older, uh, older episodes. Yeah, download and, I mean, a bunch. Tons, yeah. There's tons and tons of, uh, of. I mean, in our podcast, you know, they're no, they're not, they're no short, short feet. You know, they're no small feet, and uh, you can kill tons of time. Uh, eating canned food, listening to uh, <laughs> you know, hit that notification bell and uh, take a look at uh, podcasts uh, of a bygone era. Yes. <laughs> Simpler times. <laughs> when it was just COVID, we had to worry about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a virus. Yep. Man, how much has like this decade sucked? <laughs> We're only two years it? in. We're only two years in. We had like a massive like worldwide pandemic that probably jumped out of a lab. Yep. And now we have military conflicts. We had riots across America. Like this has not started out well. <laughs> this is like 2021 is a pretty tame year in comparison so far for this decade. <laughs> you know, I, I agree. I mean, I, I remember thinking at the end of 2019, I was like, Oh, head into the roaring twenties. Let's make some money. Let's have a party. It's like, no, no, this is going to be more like the, the teens of the 19th century in the thirties. Yep. Then we're just going from the teens together to the thirties is what we're doing. We're just jumping over the twenties. We're, yeah. yeah, we're, we're jumping through the uh, past the party. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, whatever. We'll still be here. Hopefully yeah. if we get like a Starlink uplink. Oh, don't forget. This is going to be published after Ash Wednesday, but uh, fast pray for world peace, pray for a Pope and, you know, get good with, God and getting good graces. Yeah, it's a penitential season. So, yep. oh, wait, happy Mardi Gras. Penitent. Yeah, penitent. <laughs> exactly. Happy Mardi Gras. Well, for yep. us now, not for you. Yeah, guys. for us. Yeah. 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 I hope everyone had a good Mardi Gras. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, let's get out of here. All right.
Cheers. Cheers.